Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are now listening to... Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. The playoffs are finally here. The Patriots season has officially begun. A wild, wild card weekend is in the books. The Patriots have their divisional round matchup set in stone. I am Alex Shane here with Rich Hill to break down all things playoffs and Patriots. Rich, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Glad to be back. Glad the bye week's over. Glad we actually get some Patriots football on the horizon for us. Uh, Alec, I don't know if you had to do this around the office, but we made a playoff bracket. And uh, I'm the, the resident football expert in my office. And everyone was looking to me for advice on how they should fill out their playoff bar- their bracket. I, uh, you know, when my, my expert wisdom filled mine out, I only got one game correct all wildcard weekend, and I am absolutely disgusted with myself, Alec. I, I am just <laughs> so flabbergasted with how this week turned out. Can I guess which game it was? Yeah. Did you have the Eagles beating the Bears? Nope. the one game i had right was chargers get beating the ravens and i was hoping that the chargers would get to go play the chiefs that is not yeah that would no that would have been the ideal matchup but what can you do uh i think honestly it was two relative snoozers in the afc in terms of colts versus texans that was a pretty big blowout and chargers versus ravens was an interesting game it was fun from a defensive standpoint but it was just very sloppy and not a whole lot of interesting action. However, the NFC game, Seahawks at Cowboys and Eagles at Bears, put the wild in wildcard weekend. What a finish to both of those games. Let's start in the NFC, Rich. Break those games down and then move to the AFC later on. Absolutely. I like that. I like that. Let's start with uh, Seahawks-Cowboys here because that one, uh, you know, it, it happened first. <laughs> um, that, that was uh, not – the Seahawks tried to mount a little bit of a comeback towards the end there. They, they weren't able to do it just because of a pretty uh, kind of standard, non-spectacular onside kick that just doesn't seem to be working anymore these days. Uh, but Cowboys won 24-22. I picked the Seahawks to win this game because I thought that Russell Wilson would be able to carry the Seahawks – over the Cowboys. Biggest outrage from the Seahawks fans these days is the fact that their offensive coordinator, Brian Schottenheimer, continued to call rushing attempts, even though they weren't able to gain anything on the ground. Alec, when you were watching this game, did you get the sense that either of these teams really could be a contender for the Super Bowl? 
Contenders for the Super Bowl? No, I don't see either of those teams beating the Saints or the Rams. Uh, I did like what I saw out of Dallas. I hadn't watched that much Cowboys football in 2018, but I liked what I saw out of Dallas. Dak Prescott was pretty efficient. He had one pick, but he was 22 of 33. He was uh, he hit uh, Ezekiel Elliott had 140 yards rushing almost, and Amari Cooper had 106 yards on seven catches. So I think that they are moving the ball well. And the Seahawks, the Seahawks, they're this, they're just they're kind of like. The Aaron Rodgers led Packers in a way in that it'll be like third and 70 and somehow Lockett or Baldwin will just be wide open <laughs> over the middle or Russell Wilson will drop an absolute dime on the sideline and like he'll untie his, his shoelaces in midair and drag his shoelaces on the sideline for the catch. They're just full of plays like that. And when they started to mount that comeback, I'm like, oh, man, the Seahawks magic is, is in full effect here. Unfortunately, they lost their kicker. Janikowski went out with a hamstring injury at the end of the half, had to go for two, completely messed up the gambling people out there. It was two and a half was the spread. That two-point conversion killed a lot of people. But to answer your question, no, I don't think Dallas has a really big shot to win. However, they did beat the Saints, Rich, so who knows? Yep. Yeah, and, I mean, you, you look at the talent that they have. Dak Prescott can play well enough. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper are obviously carrying that entire offense. Dak Prescott can still, you know, do a little bit with his legs as well. But the big story in my mind is the Dallas Cowboys defense because they did a pretty good job out there. The Seahawks only gained 73 yards on the ground. 14 of those came from Russell Wilson. So Dallas did a really good job up front. They are going to have their hands full. Uh, in the divisional round, and I mean, we'll, we'll break this down later in the week, but I, this Cowboys team, if they're going to make it, they're going to get there via their defense, and I, I think that Vander Esch has been a stellar pick for them at linebacker. He's their rookie first-round pick. I know that New England really had their eyes on him. They weren't able to get it, but this is a pretty good Cowboys team. I, I don't think that they're good enough to win the Super Bowl. I would love it if they got to play the Patriots in the Super Bowl because that would be the probably the easiest matchup remaining of all the NFC teams, if I had to guess. But, I mean, good for them for winning it. I was not expecting them to do that. And, uh, you know, good for Dallas. It's, it's good to root for the little guys, right? It is. Uh, speaking of little guys, the Eagles snuck into the playoffs on some last week in the NFL regular season magic. They went to Wrigley, or excuse me, Wrigley to Soldier Field and beat the Bears 16 to 15 on a what turned out to be a blocked field goal in a game that had pretty much zero offense, then a ton of offense very late. Totally exciting game. Did not see it coming. I also had Chicago win in this game. I thought the Eagles were kind of pretenders. They couldn't quite put it together, but. Nick Foles, man, what does that guy have in his bloodstream that makes him such a good postseason quarterback? Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, and in all honesty, I mean, they put up 16 points, so that can be like a, a little grain of salt there. But also, he does what it takes to win. You know, he does it. Yeah. There's all these stats right now that I believe Nick Foles has the highest passer rating in NFL playoff history of wow. players with a minimum of 150 passes. Highest in history which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I mean, I don't know how far the Eagles have to go at this point, but is there any point where you're Philadelphia and you say, you know what, Nick Foles should be our quarterback. I know we got Carson Wentz, but we should make Nick Foles our quarterback for the next 10 years. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's very easy to make a case for that. You know, it, it's tough because, you know, the way, way Carson Wentz left uh, last year was a – 
MVP caliber season he was having. And you hate to lose your starting job to injury, but if the backup quarterback, Patriots fans know all too well, if your starter goes down and your backup comes in and wins you a Super Bowl, you should ride with that guy. Good things happen when that happens. And I don't know. I think there's some very interesting quarterback conversations to be had in this upcoming offseason. Carson Wentz is definitely one of them. And Joe Flacco is another one, Rich Hill, to make a nice transition mm-hmm. to the AFC. The Ravens and the Chargers played in a game that had implications for the Patriots because the Colts beat the Texans on Saturday, sending the Colts to Kansas City. The Ravens did nothing offensively. Their defense was fantastic, but they could not get anything going on offense. Do you agree with the decision to keep Lamar Jackson in, or are you scratching your head on that one? Um, I mean, I, I do, because at that point, you know that Joe Flacco is not coming back at, after this year, right? And so you give it to Lamar Jackson. He was able to make some noise towards the end of the game. It was a little bit too little too late, and I'm sure that the Chargers were playing a little bit softer, so they were able to claw their way back in. But, I mean, even Joe Flacco at the end of the game was like, no, nah, I mean, like, you ride with Lamar Jackson. Imagine just what would happen. Like, what what would the point be? If you pull Joe Flacco, sure, you could do, like, another postseason run. But Joe Flacco wasn't doing any better than Lamar Jackson was before that injury. And if you bail on your rookie quarterback at the first sign of trouble after he's the reason you're in the playoffs in the first place, what does that mean? I feel like that's a really bad signal to the team. And you want to have some consistency where you turned the reins over to Lamar Jackson. That's the end of it. That's the end of the story. And I know, I think he had a passer rating of 0.0 at halftime. He was just not playing well. But you give it to him. He's young. This is their first year in the playoffs with him at quarterback. I would not be surprised if they got back as a, as a regular appearance on the backs of Lamar Jackson and his ability. Yeah, I agree. You want to ride with Lamar Jackson. I think that's a very bad message you send for the the postseason and beyond. I think the Ravens knew they were not going to win the Super Bowl this year. They could maybe make a run. But the question is, is the Lamar Jackson-led offense sustainable? And I guess we will soon see. Uh, to that end, Rich, the Chargers defense did pretty well. They forced a lot of fumbles, held the Ravens to 17 points, and seven of those points were very late. Do you think that the showing we saw on Sunday between the Chargers and the Ravens was more Lamar Jackson, the offense, thinking up the joint, or is the Chargers' defense legit? Well, I, I think it's a mix of both. The Chargers' defense is very, very good. They're a top-10 defense. They're in that 5-10 to 10 range, I would say, similar to what the Patriots' defense has been in the past few years. You know, They're not going to be confused for the 2015 Broncos or the 2013 Seahawks. But they're good enough. They're good enough to win the Super Bowl if you have a good offensive showing. And the Chargers did not really have that great of a showing against the Ravens. But, big caveat, Ravens have arguably the best defense in the NFL. So they they did a really good job. Um, But saying how good the Chargers' defense is... You also got to remember, Ravens don't have too many options on offense. They have Gus Edwards at running back. He's not a receiver. He's only a runner. 23 yards on eight carries. Didn't do too much out there. At wide receiver, you got Michael Crabtree as your number two. John Brown as your number one. Willie Sneed in the slot. That's not a great trio. And the Chargers have two All Pros in their secondary. They got safety Derwin James, and then they got uh, you know slot guy Des King. So they got a lot of talent back there. Casey Hayward was All Pro last year. They are a very very talented secondary, and they're going to of course win their matchups against the Ravens. So it was just a case of talent winning out. The Ravens definitely missed some plays of their own, but give credit where that's due. Chargers defense is very very good. 
I agree. They are very, very good. I was actually surprised the Ravens didn't double, double Ingram a lot more. He seemed to have a field day back there. Seven tackles, two sacks, forced a fumble. Totally disruptive along the, along the interior of the line there. The Chargers offense, Rich, they had a very hard time getting going as well. As you mentioned, the Ravens are the best defense in the NFL. They were stifling. They brought pressure nonstop. Rivers was under duress all game. He had to get the ball out much quicker than he wanted to. Roots couldn't develop. They had a hard time running up the middle between the A-gaps. What are your overall thoughts on a Chargers-led offense? We're not going to break the Chargers-Patriots game down until later on in the week, but give us a little sneak preview of what you think this Chargers offense or the Patriots defense is going to look like. I mean, so you, you look at what the Chargers were able to produce. They did a little bit on the ground. They had 89 rushing yards. wasn't great. Um, they only passed for 154. I think that is the crucial point is that New England will have to watch what the Baltimore Ravens did on defense against the pass because if you stop the run you're going to do pretty well but how do you hold Keenan Allen to 37 yards Antonio Gates had 35 uh, Mike Williams had 42 on two catches no one else broke 15 yards so if the Patriots are able to replicate what the Ravens did on defense hold the Chargers to field goals and those were long field goals at that uh, Michael Badgley hit a 53 yarder 40 yarder 47 yarder that's not going to fly in the snow. So if New England can play well enough against the run early on, if they can play well enough against the run as they were doing in week 16 and 17 against the Bills and the Jets, hopefully they can continue that. Uh, Mal Michael, uh, Gordon, the running back of the Chargers, Melvin Gordon, left with, I believe, a hamstring injury early in the fourth, so he might be a little tender. And then you have Austin Eckler, who's, I would say, for my money, a little bit more of a receiving back. But... If the Patriots can limit them on first down, force them into long situations, I think that the Patriots secondary matches up pretty well against these Chargers receivers and arguably probably match up better than they would against the Ravens or against the Texans simply because uh, I think that the Patriots' size works better. The Chargers have a lot of striders at wide receiver, and so then the Patriots will be able to make better adjustments in the secondary. So I, I like those matchups. Awesome. That's a good sneak preview. And again, we'll, we'll break that down in much more depth uh, later on in our Thursday podcast this week. But uh, you mentioned kind of offenses that take defenses behind the woodshed. That's exactly what happened in the other AFC game. Colts going to Houston and pretty well handling the Texans' defense. I was very surprised by this. I really thought that the Texans were going to win this game. I figured if it was in Indianapolis, Colts take it. But with the home field advantage Houston has, with J.J. Watcher, Damian Clowney, and that secondary, I thought that there would be disruptive enough to limit Andrew Luck's production. Boy, was I wrong. He was fantastic. He didn't need to do a whole lot, but he was extremely accurate. He was moving the ball at will earlier in the game. Their Texans' one score came in the fourth quarter, and the game's already pretty well out of hand. Is it crazy for me to think that as of right now, based on how they've been playing in the past month or so, that the Indianapolis Colts are the best team in the AFC? Uh, you would not be too out of line to say that. I mean, you look at uh, what the teams are. I think that the Colts have won 10 out of their past 11, something like that. Yeah. I mean, they're doing incredibly well. I believe Football Outsiders has them as the number two team uh, over that span of time behind only the Chiefs. Uh, they've just been so dominant. I mean, I mean, they started the season 1-5, and five, and the only other game they lost was an 0-6 just shocker to the Jaguars in Jacksonville but Andrew Luck has found his magic 39 passing touchdowns in the regular season uh, he still throws a few more interceptions than you would like but 
the big development is the evolution of running back Marlon Mack finally gives the Colts a reliable running game that they haven't had most of the time with Andrew Luck in the backfield. And then also the development of Eric Ebron as a great red zone target. 13 touchdowns this year. Uh, He scored the first touchdown of the game against the Texans. So this Colts team is more than just Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton. That helps a lot. And additionally, and I think even more importantly, their defense has been stellar. Huge, huge tip of the cap to linebacker Darius Leonard in his rookie season has been absolutely outstanding. He does it all. Uh, you also got to give some credit to the, the front office with their addition of Kenny Moore, which might sound familiar because he spent some time with the Patriots in camp. He had a crucial interception against the Texans. So, I mean, this is a complete Colts team. Uh, I, I, when I was making my predictions for this wild card round, and I'm curious to know what you thought about this. I did not want the Colts to go to Kansas City because of the three teams that could possibly knock out the Chiefs in the divisional round, you had the Ravens, you had the Chargers, you had the Colts. I thought that the Chargers had the best chance of doing it because they'd already done it. The Ravens forced overtime, and I did not know what to think of this Colts team. Do you think this Colts team has what it takes to to give home field advantage back to New England? You know, funny, coming into wildcard weekend, I would have said absolutely not. But based on what I saw against the Texans, yeah, honestly, I think they do. I think that the Colts have what it takes to beat Kansas City in Kansas City, especially if their offensive line continues to play the way that they've played. If they can keep Andrew Luck as upright and clean, he'd probably need to wash his jersey after that game with a defensive line like Houston has up against a horrendous defense like Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I can't see any reason why Luck can't absolutely pick apart that Kansas City defense. And I will be very curious to see what the over-under is on this game because this could be a game that legitimately sees zero punts coming out. This like <laughs> touchdown, 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 touchdown. Whoever's the ball last is going to win it. Should be an absolute blast to watch. What a godsend Quentin Nelson has been. All pro selections a rookie. He's been fantastic. The Colts are really firing off cylinders right now. As you mentioned, Marlon Mack is a legit runner coming into his own at the right time. Should be probably the game of the weekend next weekend in the divisional round. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll break more of this down in our, our podcast on Thursday. But, uh, Alec, last question I have for you before we tie this up. Of these four games that took place on wildcard weekend, which one do you think is of like the, the four winning teams, which one do you think is emblematic of how good the team is? And, you know, which team of these four would you say has the biggest chance to make some noise? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. You look, I, I saw a uh, an interesting stat on how often a, a wild card team has made it to the Super Bowl from 2000 to 2009. I think there was there was one, you know, or 2009, 2012 or something like that. I think like in, in 2012, I think nine teams made it very, very far in the postseason. And since then, there's been nobody. And it's been the, the Giants were the last ones to make a deep run, unfortunately, for the Patriots. And I bring that up only because Based on what I saw from this Colts team, they are playing as they played in the regular season late. Like I said, 10 of their last 11 they've won. The one they've lost is just kind of one of those brain fart games that happens to everybody. They are looking great, and I think that they are probably the team to watch. And the good news about that is if they are to take out the Chiefs next weekend, or this weekend, I should say, as you mentioned, that means the Patriots have home field again. And it's Patriots, Colts possibly in the AFC Championship game on MLK weekend 
Um, it will probably be a rainy, cold, drizzly Foxborough evening where the ball pressure might be uh, might be affected by the weather. <laughs> and the last time that happened ended pretty well for the Patriots that season. So here's hoping. Yeah, that would be a, a nice turn of events. Although I will say that the whole Josh McDaniels saga last offseason has probably uh, put the football karma in the favor of the Colts in that matchup. So yeah, <laughs> we'll definitely see how all that plays out. Uh, feel free to join us at patspulpit.com as we have a lot of our previews as New England will host the Los Angeles Chargers in the divisional round next week. Alec, do you have any final thoughts for this week? As obnoxious Patriots fans everywhere like to say, the preseason's finally in the books. The regular season is finally underway. Oh, absolutely. Until next time, Alec, you have a good one. See you, buddy. Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. <laughs> We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.